0: Good day everybody. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles and we've got a win to recap an opening night win. That's nice for a change. KJ, Florida State 47, Duquesne 7. We all knew this was going to be a Florida State win and I think we all feel pretty good about what we saw because the game was never in question and Florida State offensively scored in its first six possessions and looked pretty sharp overall.
1: I agree and I think going into the ball game
0: my number one concern
1: about it a little bit on our weekly show, is I just wanted them to look like they belong there and look like they were in control, and I think they accomplished both of those. Now, there are going to be plenty of Florida State faithful that are going to potentially read too much into uh, one procedure penalty, one holding call, uh, gave up only one sack, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera you've got to keep it in perspective. Um, This was Florida state doing what they needed to do against. They were heavily favored in the first game of the season and a confirmation or some stuff on tape that the coaches can now use as they get ready for the LSU ball game to say, now look, 25 practices we had in the fall. Remember we kept harping on you to do this, this, and this, and we kept harping on you to not do this, this, and this. Now, Here's what it looks like if you do it the way we're coaching you to do it. But now we've got to take it to a whole new level because we're playing an opponent that is much better than the opponent that we beat on Saturday evening.
0: So where do you want to start? With Jordan Travis and the offense?
1: Well, I want to start with the offense from the standpoint that I was very impressed with how they executed. Uh, I think we all would agree that it was a pretty vanilla Offensive game plan and you would expect that. Again, you're playing on a game that you're expected to win. You've got an opponent coming up that's going to be on a national showcase. So you quote unquote, don't show too much. But that which they did, I thought they did very, very well. Start with the offensive line. I did not see anybody breaking free. That's one of Tom Block's favorite things. Don't just don't let anybody break free. Don't let don't (laughs) make Travis have to run around for his life back there. Didn't see that. Saw some pretty good blocking and saw some pretty good depth. Obviously, you can do that when you get up uh, by that many points. But my goodness, I was impressed with the, what's the word we want to use, Tommy? Tenacity. I was really impressed with the tenacity and the finish of all four of those running backs.
0: Yeah, the running backs, they all run like they have a chip on their shoulder. And uh, I talked to Trayshawn Ward after the game, and he does have a chip on his shoulder. He came in as a walk-on, right? And I think right. if you're Trey Benson, you've been injury-plagued in your college career. That's the far and away the best game he's ever had, so he's trying to prove something wrong. Rodney Hill's trying to keep up with uh, with the running back room, and he certainly made a name for himself as a freshman. And Toa Feely, you know, Toa Feely put some weight on, and and he can make plays, too, He's been so thin since he got here, but he's a little bit bigger. They all have a little bit different style. First game in the history of Florida State football that three backs or that Florida State had three people rush for 100 yards. That was impressive.
1: Very impressive. And how about – now, we could fault Duquesne for poor tackling, but I would really be interested if Coach Norvell or Coach uh, Adam would would divulge how many – excuse me uh, – offensive Atkins. Uh, coordinator, yeah, Atkins, Atkins, yeah. Would, would divulge how many broken tackles they gave that running back crew for, because that number might be close to 50 or 60.
0: The final numbers, Ward had 14 carries for 127 yards, Benson 11 for 105, Toa Feely 13 for 101, and Rodney Hill had nine for 55. I mean, he only averaged six yards of carry. Obviously, Florida State overmatched this Duquesne team, but the running backs were the story. I thought Jordan Travis was sharp. The only thing that uh, you, you would knock his performance for, it's really not him. It was just that the offense twice had to settle for field goals. One of them, you immediately got a holding call and then Jordan was sacked. And so you were third and 21 or something like that. You had to take a field goal. But other than that, you got four touchdowns, two field goals at it. You continue to score every time you're in the red zone I thought he commanded the offense well and he, he threw a good football too he he was accurate hit a couple of deep balls
1: he did and and, and very impressive with some throws over the middle and obviously both uh Poitier and, and Pittman uh, along with the long touchdown uh, excuse me long reception uh, by Johnny Wilson uh, you know showed well and, and uh with Pookie out and he did have the one drop by the tight end, uh, uh, McDonald. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I just was impressed with the way he conducted himself. Again, I'd like to hear Coach Norvell and Coach Atkins, um, you know, specifically ask, all right, what about the pre-snap decisions that Jordan made? How did you rate him or grade him on that? You know, the complete quarterback play, play because it did look like he was an absolute command.
0: He finished 11 for 15 for 207 yards. So there were four incompletions. You just referenced one of them was a drop by McDonald. One of them uh, was down near the goal line where he was rolling to his left. And I I happened to be in that end zone. And uh, it was a great throw. It was sort of like uh, the the Dwight Clark catch back in the day, right? He just put it where only his receiver could get it. The problem was it was Micah Pittman, who's 5'10", and it wasn't the guy who's 6'7". But he, he didn't put it anywhere in harm's way, and so it was a good throw away. Uh, a third incompletion was on the first drive of the game when they tried to hit uh Johnny on that slant and watching it live i th- the ball could have been a little bit higher in that one but it still could have been caught and i thought it was a drop but watching it on uh replay uh the db got there early and hit him uh, a nanosecond early and i think that that's probably why he didn't catch it but uh the point remains it it was a good night throwing the football for jordan
1: very much so very much so and again the decision making um he didn't put the ball in harm's way, um, you know. I, I just thought it was a very, very first good, uh, good first game performance uh, by Jordan. And repeating myself, I'd like to hear, and not a criticism anyway. I'd just like to hear what the coaches thought about his pre-snap decisions. He may not have had to make very many, uh, but those that he did, how did he fare? Because that will be very important come Sunday night.
0: I like the way they used Micah Pittman. Uh just with a quick passing game, some sort of the jail bait break screens a little bit. Uh and and he he catches and runs with some conviction. I mean, he's a he's a smaller guy in that he's not six foot, but he's got some toughness to him. And Portier you referenced, I thought Poor had a sneaky good night. He had four catches. Two of them were dig routes over the middle. One of them he had to really extend for. Then he caught a deep pass. And do span also for for all the talk about how athletic he is but uh, how he's a work in progress that that work in progress he's moved the timeline up on that he had three catches and looked looked comfortable so all in all a pretty good night now the the question is going to be Johnny Wilson and his his ankle he went out after that long catch was in he the did. injury tent for a while came out and uh they taped it up he He ran around on the sideline. He looked like, to me, he looked like he could have gone back in if they needed him to go back in. But it's a wet night. You're going to dominate Duquesne. you got a big game coming up. So he sat down. He held his helmet the whole time. He was laughing and smiling with his teammates. Read into that what you will. The ankle will feel worse today on Sunday as we record it than it did Saturday night. But I don't think that that's going to be anything too long term.
1: Well, the question is how badly is it sprained and is it not that, uh, that dreaded high ankle sprain? Sometimes you just turn things and, you know, as you say, uh, you potentially can come back in the ballgame, but you're sure, certainly going to have to get treatment on it uh, in, the, in the time to the LSU contest. But, yeah, I, I was very impressed. I was impressed with the uh, sideline communication. You didn't see plays getting in real late. FSU did not have to take a timeout, you know, because they were running down on the play clock. I know some of the FSU faithful are going to be critical about going for two on that first extra point, but, you know, the reality of today's coaches, and and I'm old school, I don't necessarily buy into it, but, you know, they're going to try some things in two-point conversions or point afters. They're going to try some things on fourth down. I I spoke to a civic group in Tallahassee a couple weeks ago, and one of the gentlemen asked me, are we going to keep going for fourth down? That's just crazy. And I said, yep, we're going to keep going for fourth down, and you need to get used to it. That's the way coaches think today. Um, but other than that, I thought how the coaches handled it, how the plays were called, how the communication went, which is obviously another big issue in first games, um, went really, really smoothly.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. They played a ton of uh, offensive linemen and a ton of offensive line combos. I couldn't keep up with it. They played four centers in the football game. Keith, which when you consider that the top two centers entering fall camp are both out right now, one for the year and one hopefully back sooner rather than later, that means the sixth string center was playing that football game against Duquesne. But uh, Darius Washington, we'll have to see. I don't know what happened and why he left the ball game. But Dylan Gibbons was very comfortable when they slid him over into the center position. So if they had to go that route, I think that that would be the next man up scenario. And then what they did is they they just took their two best guards one of whom didn't start and, uh, but, but moved one into Gibbons' spot when, when he went into center. You have no thoughts on the offensive line or you're not hearing me, one or the other.
1: <laughs> we, we, we had a Zoom glitch. I apologize. Uh, what I was going to say is there, there was a stat that I stumbled on. I assume it's correct. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we talk about Gibbons, and, and obviously he is to be applauded. Uh, for all the stuff that he's done off the field and his ability to transfer in and and become a Florida State Seminole. But here's a stat for you, Tommy. I think he played a little over 400 snaps last year, okay? 400 snaps last year. He had four pressures and zero sacks. Now, I don't know who they're going to credit for having given up the sack, that the one sack that um, Travis suffered. But what about the fact that he's got a chance, does Gibbons, to play two years at FSU and not give up a sack? There's been a long time since that can be said of a of a Florida State offensive lineman.
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely a leader of that group. And uh, just, just – I mean, this has been obvious since day one of camp. All the media talked about it. But when you – when I'm on the field and you look at the offensive line segment now, it looks like an offensive line. There's a lot more bodies and there's a lot more bigger bodies – Uh, So it's a good group and coach Atkins does a good job. Obviously that was Duquesne. We can't read too much into it. LSU's got a stout defensive front. And so that will truly be a test when FSU gets to new Orleans next week, defensive side of the ball, Keith, uh, you can't really argue with the numbers. The one touchdown they got. I mean, uh, if you want to be a little picky, it came off the pick. And so from a sudden change standpoint, Florida state didn't handle it real well. Uh, That said, uh, the the freshman corner was in position, just didn't make a play. It wasn't like that was a coverage bust to the point you made made earlier. But but general thoughts on mm-hmm. the defense.
1: Well, uh, I think, and, and this is how bad we are as fans sometimes. I thought the defensive line underperformed, and and as I reflected on it last night and this morning when I was you know doing what little bit of prep work I do, hint hint. Um, I think our expectation of that front four in reality was a little overblown. They performed very well, but you know, we wanted Verse to come in and get 17 sacks and Florida State's front two and and, and Coop and and that group to to hold them to minus 27 yards rushing for the game. They played really well, but they also have some upside as well. And so their development, their continued movement, I think is going to be very good. Now, they pressured Duquesne rather well. Uh, Verse uh, ended up with a sack. They ended up with just the one sack. But they pressured pretty well, and they're going to need to get, continue to get better at that. Um, but I think overall, you, I don't care who you play in today's environment. You give up less than 175 yards total offense to a team over four quarters. Uh, that's a good outing, a really good outing.
0: Yeah, it is, and it was good to see Verse get that sack. That they they had a Duquesne was sort of in a let's get our paycheck and get home offensive mindset. I don't know what their offense normally is, but uh, they weren't exactly in a hurry, other than to get out of Doe Campbell Stadium. And they didn't exactly put their quarterback back there in harm's way on seven step drops. Not that many people do now, but but he was getting rid of it pretty quickly too. So that that's part of the reason the numbers weren't sexier from a pass rush standpoint.
1: Exactly, exactly, and again. I'm acknowledging at least for myself and maybe for some of our listeners and maybe some of, you know, Seminole Nation, you know, maybe the expectation was a little overblown and we need to get back down to reality. These guys play very well. How about this, Tommy? You know, we, we talked about uh, after the first scrimmage and a little bit after the second scrimmage, I say we, the coaching staff talked about missed tackles. I didn't see very many missed tackles Saturday night. How about you?
0: No, that's a good point, especially for a first game. So That's good to see. And that and it was a pretty sure-tackling team last year, too, especially once they settled in. I, I thought they played pretty well. They didn't have their top corner in Omarion Cooper, who was uh, on the sideline, uh, not dressed out. And I think he'll be available for uh, for LSU. We'll see. Uh, Jarian Jones, uh, with the late hit early on, that was a, a forgettable play. And and he had a, a late hit or two last year, if memory serves. Um But they got a lot of DBs. I thought the the safeties played fine. Thomas got the pass interference and then got beat for the touchdown. But he still is incredibly athletic and has a very bright future ahead. There's no no question about that.
1: I agree. And though uh, not any – in fact, no one put up great numbers. I think the
0: leading tackler
1: from Florida State had four tackles and there were four or five kids that were at that level. Uh, But I spent some time, um, you know, watching Bethune. And while you know he had a he had a couple of really nice plays, he was always around. He didn't appear to make false steps and go in the wrong direction and those types of things. Um, I I was impressed with the line. Let's put it this way: last year, in far too many games, we would leave the game going, golly, our linebackers hurt us. They didn't. That group did not play well. You you didn't leave Saturday night thinking that about Randy, Sh- Randy Shannon's group.
0: No, it's definitely a much improved uh, linebacker uh, group there. Uh, unfortunately, Amari Gainer was in a boot on the sideline in the second half. I don't know what happened to him, so we'll see. Uh, he's not running as a front line guy, but they really they've got about six backers because they lost Stephen Dix for the year last year, and now now they're only playing two at a time. You're not really playing right, three at right, a time. So, right. I mean, it in, in effect you're three deep, but I don't know what the what the situation is with Gaynor. We'll just we'll just have to see. Um, yeah, all in all, I, I thought it was pretty good. We can talk about the special teams real quick. Field goals were made. Uh, punt returns, some hit the ground. Keith, I don't, I don't know. I, I think Micah Pittman's going to be good in that role. I, I think the way teams punt now, it, it's almost like they they see where the returner sets up and they decide, am I going to pull out my pitching wedge? And then if the, the returner moves up, they go back and they say, well, let me let me pull out my three iron and I'll hit a little deeper. It just seems to be that's the way it goes now. But you're the punt returner, so you tell me what was wrong on, on the ones that hit the ground.
1: Well, you know, the, the overarching rule is you don't let the ball hit the ground. Uh, now, given what you just said, particularly with the, the rugby-style punters, now the Duquesne punter you wouldn't classify, I don't think, as a rugby-style punter. But, you know, the rugby-style punters, they, they move to their left or their right, or in the case of Florida State's punter, to left or to right at the same time. Uh, that allows another five or seven yards of coverage downfield. Then you kick the ball a little flatter. You know, this is not the Ron Stark error of, uh, you know, putting that ball really high. Um, So, yeah, there is some balance there. I I just am old school. I still think you got to do everything within your power to catch that ball. I mean, they do have this thing called a fair catch. So if they hit that ball on a line and it's short, Signal for a fair catch and go catch it. And, and by the way, it's okay if you catch it and fall down. It doesn't have to be pretty. Just, just take the hidden yardage. Uh, the one thing that I was disappointed in is kickoff returns. I, I didn't think that segment uh, proved very well. Um, don't know what the issues there were, but that would be the one thing that jumps out at me as being a little bit disappointed. Your thoughts?
0: No, I was going to go there next. Regarding, I haven't watched the the TV replay yet. Watching it live, it felt like a couple of those punts just to finish this. And I understand your point, but it felt like a couple of them were so short that to even if you sprint up, you're almost diving forward to try and catch him. And he just didn't really have a great play. But I, I might be wrong on that. I'll watch on on the replay. There there was only two kick return opportunities: the the opening kickoff and then Duquesne scored once. I thought, and we saw this last year. I forget who it was. We heard a lot of good things about Sam McCall, and it may be fine. Uh, the, the the first kick, he made the mistake of trying to get away with what you get away with in high school, which is let me let me back up and try and run around a guy, and it doesn't work at the college level. But more uh-huh. than that, more than that, you run forward ten yards and and on a kick return, and I was never a kick returner. There, there's time for one. Put your foot in the ground and go. You can't slow down and decelerate no. and then try and pick no. a hole. And that's what McCall did on both his returns. And as a result, you're not further. I mean, there needs to be somebody, you know, you're going to get whacked. You're signing up for being a kick returner, but you got to go.
1: And that's coachable. So, you know, as long as you've got the speed, you've got the the body type. I mean, uh, we can fix that. The coaching staff can fix that. But that was the one area that I was disappointed in. Uh, Again, very, very, very small sample size with just two returns. But certainly this week.
0: Yeah, so now everything turns to LSU, Florida State. Uh, One good thing, they get an extra day since you're going from a Saturday to a Sunday. Now, of course, LSU has had all of camp to get ready. But I do think playing week zero, all in all, this was a good year to play it. You do get the extra game. You get a chance to get playing time, to go live, to get some nerves settled, to get communication patched up or at least rehearsed before the big game in the Dome because it will be, even though FSU fans bought their half of the stadium up in terms of tickets, it's going to be an LSU feel there. It's uh, Baton Rouge is 80 miles from where that Caesar Superdome sits, so it is definitely going to be an LSU feel. But it's going to be fun. It's going to have a little bit of a bowl-like atmosphere, I think, for the fans, many of whom are going in for the full weekend, Keith. So uh, I look forward to it.
1: Here's an interesting take, um, and I'll be curious, as will you, you know, Florida State now has tape that LSU can look at. So, as I mentioned, I suspect Coach Norvell, Coach Atkins, they never admit for not admitting, but, you know, maybe it was a vanilla game plan. But there is tape on Florida State in 2022. There is no tape on LSU for 2022. And they have a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this week is really going to test Coach Norvell and his staff's ability to pick. You can't do everything, but to pick the things that Notre Dame did last year or wherever this coach came from or wherever that coach came from. Pick the things you think are most likely to happen. Get your scout teams to replicate that. And my point is don't be surprised – and I think this year, as opposed to year one or year two in the Norvell uh, regime, don't be surprised if LSU doesn't come out and out-coach Florida State in the early going. Does that make sense? In mm-hmm. other words, they know what to prepare for against Florida State, but Florida State doesn't know what to prepare for against LSU. So picking what you want to prepare for and then when the game begins, that those those in-game adjustments that you and I have talked about for years and years and years, this is really going to be a test for Florida State's coaching staff as well. Uh, so I'm interested to, to see the chess game and, you know, that little aspect of, of what goes on Sunday night in New Orleans as well.
0: Yeah, no, you're right in terms of having the tape. Of course, it's not as if uh, the way the way college football works, Florida State staff would have dug into the, the tape of what they expect months ago. And then they're pulling it back out now. So it's not like their first look at it is right now. But you are right. Uh, and there's been questions about who LSU is going to start at quarterback and uh, new personnel and all those sorts of things. And and you just don't know because, uh, uh, to your point, there's not tape that exists yet. We do know exactly. that on, on paper there's more stars on that LSU sideline. I know you're not a stars guy, but they, they have some good talent there. You know, one thing, and we can talk about that matchup, and we will later this week on our Wednesday show, Uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up what's probably the biggest negative from the game on Saturday, Keith. And that is that nobody feels great about the backup quarterback situation based on the way Tate performed once he went into the ball game. Uh, I'll add this disclaimer. It it, it is different. It's not as if Tate went in there to play and had the other 10 first team offensive players with him. So when he goes in, He's playing with basically the third-team offensive line, and it might have been the fourth-string running back and a mix. That, however, doesn't change the fact that he was late on his throws, seemed nervous, uh, could have thrown two picks, really, because he stared down a receiver on another one that he got away with. So I'll stop there.
1: Coachable mo- moments, Tommy. Coachable moments. And by every – um indication, you know, Tate's one of those guys that takes his craft seriously. You're right on the interception. He threw it late and he threw it behind. Well, we can fix that. And, uh, you know, you, you accurately pointed out, he wasn't in there with the ones again, I acknowledge it's Duquesne. Uh, I acknowledge he should have done better. Uh, If you had to make a decision, Duffy probably graded out better than, than, than he did. But, Um, That doesn't necessarily concern me because uh, by all accounts, and you've been to a bunch of practices, both of those backup quarterbacks have plenty of talent. They can make things happen. And uh, it's the age-old thing. We won't know till 25 years from now maybe if anybody would fess up to it. But, you know, with with, uh, Tate being thrown into the wolves his freshman year, you know, you always talk about, you know, you don't want to put the kids in too early because you're afraid that you'll scar them a little bit there's just some scar tissue he needs to get over. We'll we'll treat it at that. Hey, Tommy, while we've got a second, let's take our time out now for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. And I'm going to cheat. This is an easy one. This is an easy one. I'm giving the performance of the game to that. What are we going to call them? We've got to come up with a name, but that three-headed running back group of uh, Treshawn Ward and Trey Benson and uh, Lawrence Toafili. You know, all they do is, uh, as you mentioned, become the first trio of Florida State runners rushing for over 100 yards in a single game. And and, uh, goodness, uh, they all play with a chip on your shoulder. That was a great performance. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker Magazine. Want the bank where they greet you by name, smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door? And I was there this week. They did. That's what I call a great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC offices in Tallahassee. Crawfordville and Lakeland, or you can visit them on the web at trymybank.com.
0: Well done, Mr. Jones. I think we are uh, finished up. Anything else you want to add about the game?
1: Uh, what did you think of the crowd? I thought the crowd was quite remarkable. A given um, the, the, the weather and, you know, having to sit for uh, uh, what? 92 minutes, 93 minutes, whatever it was. Uh or, um, and, and, and Number two, they seemed to stay for the entire contest, at least most of them, uh, despite it being a little later. I know it was an early kickoff to begin with, but being a little later in the lopsided score. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I thought the crowd was good. People were definitely antsy to see Florida State football. Uh, it felt like the wait was forever, but it was the right call to just let the full storm get through and then play once without having to stop. I don't know. There might have been a window to start earlier, but then you might have had to stop again. So. All things considered, that part was good. I felt bad for the marching chiefs who worked really hard and didn't get to do the pregame because that got shortened up. They did perform at halftime uh, with the New Orleans uh, show that they were uh, fine tuning and will break out in uh, in the dome this week uh, in New Orleans. But the, yeah, no, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good, and there is some enhanced. Uh, they've enhanced the fan experience and improved that as well. Now, uh, as was described in advance, I can't claim that I can speak firsthand to that because in my role, I don't, I don't have an opportunity to do that. But all in all, I thought it was good. I thought it was good.
1: I, I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, as you continue to build momentum, uh, you, know, you need to take account, not from a nervous or a uh, worried standpoint, but you're fixing to be on a national stage. Um, you know, Florida State's played on that Labor Day night game before. I believe this is the first time they've played on the Sunday night prior. You can correct me of, my, uh, of a lapse. Uh, you're going against an opponent Keith, you haven't played Keith, since 1991.
0: You're not going to like this correction, Keith, because we played Sunday night last year against Notre Dame. Well, that goes to show you uh,
1: being old is not for sissies. So thank you for correcting me <laughs> publicly, I might add. Publicly, I might add.
0: Well, you gave me the uh, opportunity. <laughs> there you go. Uh,
1: but, you know, um, it, it, you're going against an opponent you haven't played since, I think, 1991. You want to correct me on that one while you look it up real quick. Um, but it's going to be a marquee ball game. And, you know, four years with losing records, you've had COVID two of those years. Uh, you had a coach leave under not ideal circumstances, a new coach come in and have to leave under really not ideal circumstances. Third year of a new regime, roster turnover, the introduction of the transfer portal, NIL, first cost of atten- uh, full cost of attendance. I mean, this is a pretty significant ball game if you're looking to be a part of Florida State rebuilding, and so uh, preparation is going to be important. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the fans have turned out; there'll be close to forty thousand people um, wearing garnet and gold in, in, in uh, New Orleans come Sunday night. Um, this is a pretty significant ball game for a lot, a lot of reasons, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: We'll talk more about it on Wednesday. One last thing, Keith, that I forgot to mention earlier, and you might have noticed this, or anybody who's listening who watched it on TV, they redid, uh, redid, they resodded Doe Campbell Stadium. After the spring, they they didn't just take out the top layer of sod; they dug all the way down to the roots and put in uh, new sod and not noticeable field level, but when I was upstairs in the press box pregame and then watching the little bit of the the TV replay that I've watched, the field looks terrific. I think – I hope everybody noticed that. It looks really, really good. Now, I know it's first game, and uh, come November it won't look quite as good, but to, to me it was evident that they had done a lot of work on that field.
1: Do you know – I probably shouldn't have asked you this question without prepping, but do you know, you know, at one point, talking about the rain they had that underground pumping system Do you know if this field has a similar or same type of uh, water get rid of water system or did anybody talk about that
0: yeah i didn't didn't ask about that as much i don't think that they changed that um per se but i think it was just a matter of i don't know that they had resodded it to this level since 2004 right and it's the kind of thing that needs to be done in five to seven year increments, not 15 year increments or something. And I, by no means am a turf expert, but uh, you know, they've gone in and this is, this is going on a tangent, but they've, they've redone the, the, the field at uh, Mike Martin field, they're doing softball, they did soccer. So they're, they're taking care of all the playing surfaces for, uh, for FSU athletics this year.
1: And it did not appear at any time when I was watching
0: that, uh, that uh, the footing was a problem despite the rank. Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't see that either. So anyway, just want to mention that at the end. All right, we are out of time. Keith and I do this uh, weekly. We'll uh, try to post our, our our post-game thoughts, if you will. Really, we're going to record these on Sunday as we're doing today. But hopefully by mid-morning Sundays, we'll have this show into your podcast feeds. So if you don't subscribe, go ahead and do that. Uh, but expect by mid-morning, certainly before 12 noon, you'll find this in your feeds. And then our regular show is every Wednesday. Uh 12 to 1 live on 93 3, and then it hits your podcast feeds. Till uh till then, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.